the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise, designed to explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within our communities and beyond. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it. Now, here's your host, Bible teacher, writer, broadcaster, and lover of God, Kaz Taylor. Well, hello, my friends. Yes, indeed, another remarkable day to become close to the one who is close to us. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. Some say Yehovah, your Yehovah. And uh, we are going to spend some time uh, in enticing you to get deeper and broader and wider in your relationship with the Lord. I have a fellow Salem Media broadcaster, uh, a newfound friend with me on uh, the radio here. They broadcast on The Answer oftentimes throughout uh, the United States. For To have him on the KPRZ station is news. So uh, while you can find him um, on The Answer, uh, you're going to be appreciative of him, and you will hear him right now on KPRZ. And hello, Rick Hughes. How are you? I'm fine, Kaz. How are you doing? How's uh, everyone at San Diego? Well, this is, you know, every once in a while they have a thing called drizzle or rain and thunderstorms in San Diego. This is one of those very rare days. Uh, this is my my listening friend. If you're looking because you listen to the show from 5 to 7 on Saturdays, 5 to 7 p.m., and you go, oh, it's not the way that Kaz described it. It's because we pre-taped this a couple of days before. But anyway, you need to know that... Uh, Whatever the rocky roads and storms that you have in your life, I have a man who's going to help you clear the way and see sunshine on a cloudy day. <laughs> Rick Hughes, I, uh, would you be so kind, Rick? Uh, I know you you uh, you have a ministry that's called the. Do I pronounce this right? The Flot Line, F L O T Line. That's correct. Ra- yes. ra- radio, and as I say, it's on Salem Media on the Answer. But uh, so give me a little bit of overview before we really spring into the things that are uh, basically directives uh, from the Lord. My friend, if you've been a a believer for many, many years, this will be a refresher course. And if you're new to the Lord, you absolutely need to include this in your Holy Spirit heartfelt portfolio. So give us an overview and background, uh, Rick, and then we will jump into the other stuff thereafter. Rick Hughes. Chaz, I'm uh, from Birmingham, Alabama. It's where I grew up. I grew up in a single-parent home. I never had the privilege of meeting my father, so I don't really know who he was. Uh, at the current time, I'm 78 years old. So I got saved, became a Christian at the age of 22. But I didn't uh, – the first time I ever heard about God, I was only 11 years old, and I was at a camp my mother sent me to for the summer. And I became God-conscious, but I didn't get the gospel to hear it. Uh, but but I wanted to know God, but it took 11 more years before someone gave me the gospel. And that happened in a very unusual way. It was a divine appointment for me because I did not go looking for God at all. I uh, actually had run into an old girlfriend at a shopping center and tried to get a date with her. 
and she would not go out that particular night. So on Sunday, I tried to get a date with her again. That night, she said she would go if I would go to church with her. Well, if you're a single guy and you're hard up for a date, you can take church. <laughs> yes, yes, so, yes. Uh, I'm hearing a little bit of a beating or a pounding on the air. Is that you and, and the phone? or? Uh, yeah, that's my hand. I have Parkinson's, so it trembles a little bit. Okay. But it, the uh, young lady want to go, you know, sit up close. And I said, no, I'll sit in the back. And I was looking around at all the weirdos and, you know, I never went to church, so I didn't didn't know what to think. But it, after church, she wanted me to go forward and talk with the preacher, and I wouldn't do it. So she said, I'm going to go down there and pray for you. So she went to the front of the altar and started praying for me. I hit the back door, got my little sports card. I thought, if she doesn't come on, I'm going to leave her here. <laughs> and this guy came outside that uh, was a former football player in Alabama, where I had actually played football. I played football at the University of Alabama after leaving high school. Uh, on a football scholarship, played with Joe Namath and played for Paul Bear Bryant. Wow. And anyhow, he told me that he had met someone that changed his life, and I needed to get to know him, and I thought he was talking about another coach or something. But he said, no. <laughs> well, he was talking he, about another coach so far, so uh, more or less, but he didn't tell you the bottom line of that coach. <laughs> Go yeah, ahead. Anyhow, that, that night we went to a home Bible study, and I didn't realize. I thought it was a party, but it wasn't. And at that home Bible study, I heard a man from South Africa give the gospel. And uh, I was curious. I mean, I never, you know, I wasn't negative to God at all, but I went up to talk to him. He asked me if I died, would I go to heaven? And I said, uh, I don't think so. He said, do you want to go to heaven? I said, well, yeah, everybody wants to go to heaven. Sure. And he said, do you know how? I said, well, straighten up and fly right, quit fighting and drinking and cussing, you know, and all that. And he, and he just laughed. And he took me in the back and showed me the passage of Scripture that said, if any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, and all things become new. And he told me I could become a new person that night if I put my faith in Christ. And uh, a lot of other scriptures went through, but that made sense to me, and I prayed on my knees with him, and I asked God to save me. I said, I'm willing to receive Christ as my Savior. I I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't feel anything weird. I didn't meet any angels, didn't hear any trumpets, but it happened. And uh, I went back home and told my roommate I'd gotten saved, and he laughed. He said, you drunk again? I said, no. <laughs> yes. I don't think so. That night was the first night in my life I'd had peace with God when I went to bed that night. Oh my! And that was in '67, and uh, from that time I went to Bible college. I, instead of going back to the University of Alabama to play football, I went back to Bible college because I had left my football scholarship in a frantic search for happiness and gone down what we call the My Way Highway. Oh yeah, My Way Highway. Yes, you know, Rick, as you're you're sharing your your testimonial here, I I am convinced that many of our listening friends uh, have had that or are having that le- level of uh, uh, relationship with the Lord, where they, yeah, they, they quasi know about God. They had nothing, have nothing against God, but they really realize that they need to know more, especially with the challenging times in our face right now. So, uh, my listening friend, I, I want you to pay close attention to Rick Hughes and the things he has to say because he really hits it. He hits a home run. Go ahead, Rick. Well, anyhow, I went to uh, Bible college, and, and I was 22, 
and almost got thrown out of Bible college for getting in a fight with the dorm director. But I, I didn't realize that even though I was saved, I still had a sinful nature. And nobody had told me that yet. So I still had a temper, still got frustrated, you know, still had things I had to deal with. And uh, through Bible college, I eventually started giving my testimony in some various schools, got involved with Youth for Christ, an international organization, spoke in my first high school assembly in 1969 with 1,800 students at Banks High School in Birmingham, Alabama, and uh, me down in the gym and I had uh, 900 on one side and 900 on the other side, me, scared to death. But uh, I did not know, I didn't have a clue that that would be the first of 5,000 assembly programs I'd conduct over the next 50 years, speaking in schools. My, my. My, my. You know, the the, the name uh, Youth for Christ comes up uh, in my own personal life often. That's one of the starting uh, starting blocks wherein I was in, introduced to the Lord as well. And, you know, you, you have a, 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 a semi-superficial relationship, and all of a sudden with everything that you learn and that you apply— that deepens and broadens. And my listening friend, I hope that's you as well. Uh, Rick, uh, other further thoughts here? Yeah. the uh, I didn't learn how to live the Christian life in Bible college. I learned about the Bible. And uh, there was something missing. And uh, there's a passage in Jeremiah where God said, I'm looking for people that not only know me, but understand me. Yes. And I think yeah, that a lot of people know God, but they don't understand the God they know. And that's what my ministry is predicated on, trying to teach them and understand the protocol plan of God and how our Father operates. And you can't make the rules up as you go along. There's a set of rules you got to follow if you want to have fellowship with the Lord. Boy, that's right. You know, uh, what your, your phraseology there is exactly right. And we're, we have under two minutes in this segment, uh, Rick uh, Hughes. But the phraseology you used was, uh, there are many that know me, but you have to beyond know him, you need to understand him. You know, you know who he is, but you need to know his character. And in the uh, this broadcast for Come Together San Diego, my co-host Rick Hughes uh, with the Flatline Radio is uh, going to be joining me, transitioning your awareness of the Lord from I know him to I understand him because he understands me. Rick, uh, we've got a little break to take here. Then we're going to come back in. We'll talk a little bit about some of the multiple books that you have done and talk about a protocol in the plan for God that has uh, been helpful for you to instruct other people in the ways that they need to go. So my listening friend, I hope you are ready for this and that you're tuned to come together San Diego from 5 to 7 p.m., uh, on uh, the Pacific clock, because <laughs> we have so much more to share with you. My friend, my newfound friend Rick Hughes and I will talk more about these things when we come right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor. On K-Praise. Well, welcome back, my friends, to Come Together San Diego, a remarkable and intriguing show with a fellow Salem Media broadcaster, Rick Hughes, and his ministry uh, outreach is called the Flatline Radio, Forward Line of Troops. I love it. 
and he's on the Salem Media broadcast on The Answer San Diego, on the other uh, conservative station here in San Diego with us. So, Rick, you enticed me in the last portion of the seg- or earlier segment. You said that you're called to help people understand the difference between just simply knowing God or knowing about God and actually understanding him. So I'm going to hand the baton back to you to, to explain yourself. You talked a little bit uh, in my notes about protocol, uh, God's protocol. So I'm going to hand the baton back to you, Rick. Well, I'll be, yeah, let me explain what I mean by that. You, you'll agree with me, but uh, is it ever wrong to pray? And most people would say, no, no, it's never wrong to pray, but that's not true. Because the Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me in Psalm 66, 18. So as a Christian, if you're praying to God, but you have unconfessed sin in your life, it's not going to go any higher than the ceiling until you deal with the sin. And I give you a perfect example. Let's say you're at church on Sunday morning and the preacher calls on Brother Smith to get up and have an opening prayer. And Brother Smith hates Brother Jones sitting in the back who shafted him in some business deal, so he hates his guts and can't stand to look at him. But he prays this marvelous prayer. Oh, Lord, thank you for a wonderful day, and, uh, you know, yada, yada, yada. That prayer went no higher than the ceiling because he had unconfessed sin in his life of hatred and bitterness towards his brother. Does that make sense? Makes total sense. And, uh, that, you know, back in my early days, uh, I, I guess a lot of my prayers were fruitless because, you know, I had ought against other people. That, uh, that That's a very telling and insightful point of view. Thank you, Rick. Well, the key to prayer and the key to the Christian life, there's one simple key. Most people miss it. Most people never mention it, never bring it up. And I wandered for a year and a half around after I got saved. What should I do? How do I do it? Some people tell me do this. You know, if you're a Christian, you got to do this. If you're a Christian, you got to do that. But nobody ever told me this, and that is that I was indwelled with the Holy Spirit in the moment I got saved, Ephesians 1.13, and I was sealed with the Holy Spirit. And then Ephesians 5.18 says I'm to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I cannot live my Christian life without the power of the Holy Spirit. It's impossible. And that's why the Lord Jesus Christ told the disciples, I'm going away and I'm going to go leave, but I'm going to send my Spirit. He will guide you, direct you, and teach you and show you what to do. So you and I, Kaz, we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, but we can quench the Holy Spirit, and we can grieve the Holy Spirit when we sin. And sin comes in three areas, something you think, something you say, or something you do. A mental attitude sin would be like jealousy, Mm -hmm. bitterness, anger, or something you say would be like lying or gossiping or slander or criticizing. Those are sins. Or something you do, those could be obvious, like stealing or, or murder or fornication, adultery. So when you sin as a believer, it doesn't mean you're not saved. It means you have broken fellowship with God and you have quenched the Holy Spirit. And you cannot live the Christian life under the power of the flesh. It's not possible. That's called wood, hay, and stubble eventually in the Bible at the judgment seat of Christ. So as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have to understand protocol so you do a right thing in a right way. It's always right to go to church, but there's a right way to go to church and a wrong way to go to church. So if you go to church out of fellowship with unconfessed sin in your life, you're in the right place in the wrong way. Does that make sense? Oh, total sense, Rick, total sense. Where that really gets into serious trouble is taking communion. As you know, a lot of people take communion as a ritual without reality to it sometimes. 
If you take communion with unconfessed sin in your life, Paul tells us in the Bible in 1 Corinthians 11, that that's a good way to die the sin unto death. They said because of that, many are weak, many are sick, and many are asleep because they abuse that concept. So it's not taught today. People don't, if it is, they go on some weird tangent about doing something crazy. But the yes. filling of the Holy Spirit is essential for me to have fellowship with God and for me to live the Christian life because I can't do it in my own energy, in my own flesh. Wow, wow. And do, do, when you talk about uh, taking uh, communion and if you don't do it properly, it's uh, it's dangerous to say the least. The, to, to me, there's a lot of instances where uh, a person may take you know, the bread and the wine, but the whole idea of communion is a horizontal common union, one with one another and also one with the Lord. And if we're forgetting about the one with one another, then we've missed the vital part of of this communion. And I suppose when we're interacting with God in prayer as well, if we forget one of the vital parts, the impactfulness of that prayer goes away. Would that be right? Yes. Why do people take communion to start with? That's the question. And the Lord Jesus Christ said, this do in remembrance of me. And that means you're supposed to recall, recollect certain things. And that, that little wafer that you take, that little white piece of bread, what yes. does that represent? Yeah, it's that the body. body. Yeah, it, it, like, I, you know, I'm just seeing this now. It represents Christ's body literally, but it also in, it relates to the body of Christ, the people to your left and to your right. And if you're not properly dealing with them, you are irreverent to the quote-unquote body. Boy, that changes the perspective of communion, doesn't it, Rick? Well, I don't think about the people to my right or my left, because if I'm in fellowship, then communion is between me and God, and I'm remembering what Christ did for me, not what somebody on my right or left does. Now, if I'm mad or angry and I sinned against them, yes, I got to deal with that first. Yeah, that's what I was going. That's what I was going for. Yeah, the key verse. This is a key verse every Christian must know and must understand. It is First John one nine. If we confess our sin, if it's a third class condition, if we confess our sin, He God is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So there never is a time in my life that I'm not to deal with my sin and name it to God. 24-7, every day, when I know I've sinned, if I'm on the interstate and somebody cuts me off and I lose my temper or they shoot me the bird or something, I get mad about it. Hey, I got to deal with that sin. I got to say, Father, I just lost my temper. I got to admit my sin. This is what people don't do. They don't deal with sin. They try to go to God and try to serve God but not dealing with their sin first. And that they can't do that because that the Holy Spirit is quenched and grieved when we sin. And we have to get rid of the sin, and that's first John one nine. If if we confess our sin. And the word confess is the word, that's the key word, that's the verb. Homo legeo, Greek word, homo legeo, the compound verb. There's two words in there, homo meaning the same. And megeo means to say. And to confess your sin means to tell God what you did. Don't promise him you're not going to do it again. Don't say, well, I was a bad boy, God. I promise I won't, I won't ever get mad again. Just tell him I lost my temper. I got mad. I cussed. I did this. I did that. Tell him what you did. And he said, if you will tell him what you did, he will forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness, even the ones you don't remember. 
And that we have to do that every day, not when we go to bed at night. Not, I mean, when you confess your sin, the moment you know you've done it, because you can't live the Christian life in the energy of the flesh, and that's what people are trying to do today. And this is where they misunderstand the God they know. You can't operate in you know, human energy and human dynamics. Yeah. So that's the difference between the God you know versus the God that God wants you to understand. And so you're giving us a, a dose of understanding here. A lot of people really uh, want to, you know, do God-like things, but without the right heart attitude. So thank you for— Let's uh, go back Let's go back to Moses at Meribah, the second Meribah. Yes. You remember that episode where God said, speak to the rock, and what did he do? He struck the rock. You remember that episode? Yes, he did. Of- Got him in big— he didn't go on to promised land because of that. If you read Deuteronomy, yes. you'll see. And this is exactly what happened. He had to turn command over to Joshua. God said, I told you to speak to the rock, not strike it. And that, that God wanted to demonstrate grace, not judgment. Oh, yes. of, you know, because of that episode, Aaron, God told Moses, take Aaron up on top of the mountain and take his priestly garments off of him and give them to his son. And he's going to die up on that mountain. That was the end of Aaron right there. Mm-hmm. And then a year left. And Moses had one year left. He wrote the book of Deuteronomy in that last year of his life. And then turned command over to Joshua. But he was not allowed to go into the promised land because he misrepresented God. This is the key to it. He cannot afford to misrepresent the God we know. And that's what goes on every day. And throughout the Christian community, if people that know God don't represent him correctly, they misrepresent God. Oh, boy. Rick, you're right on in that, and I, I'm just re- I'm refreshed by hearing your insights. See, these are things, you know, as a as Christian, we study these things and, and we begin applying them, but sometimes in the, uh, the hubbub of life, we kind of forget that. And I'm going to have you stay with us on launching from this uh, Scripture and into uh, the value of what you call rebound. You use this Scripture— uh, earlier, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We're going to use that as a springboard into talking about rebounding from God's point of view. My listening friend, Rick Hughes, and I will be right back. More Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor is next on K-Praise. Now back to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise with Cass Taylor. I'm back and... Uh, I continue with my fellow Salem Media broadcaster, Rick Hughes. And uh, I'm going to give you the scripture that uh, Rick uh, introduced in the last segment. It's in First John, uh, John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a promise. What a promise. But it's a two-part promise. We have to do something for him to do the forgiveness part. It's called confessing. I'm going to hand the baton back uh, to Rick as he further expounds on this, dealing with, actually, it's the first chapter of his book called Christian Problem Solving, and it's called Rebound or Rebounding, and that has everything to do with this scripture in 1 John 1, nine. Rick Hughes. Yeah, that's a basketball term, Kaz. When you miss a shot, you rebound. <laughs> I love it. So, uh, you know— I have a chart in front of me that says 10 reasons your prayers are not answered. And your listeners can always order that. It's free. We don't sell anything on our radio show. We give away all our products, and we don't have any sponsor. We just trust God. We pray and ask God to provide for it. 
And with 125 radio shows, it takes a lot of trust into the Lord to pay for that. And he does always. He's never hung us out to dry yet. Wow. And so if you, if any of your listeners would like to get a copy of this 10 reasons your prayers might not be answered, they can just contact us through our website, recuseministries.org, and we'll send it to them free of charge. But let's go back to this rebound thing. Remember the Holy Spirit indwells you at salvation. Remember, sin quenches the Holy Spirit. When you sin, you get out of fellowship with God, back under control of your sin nature. That's why Paul said the flesh wars against the spirit, the spirit wars against the flesh. These are contrary one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. So there's a battle every day for what you think in your mind. It's the Holy Spirit wants to control your thoughts, and your flesh, your old man, the carnal nature wants to control your thoughts. Whoever controls your thoughts controls your volition. And your volition is the decisions that you make. Because you're a product of your decisions. And therefore, the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. Boy, I appreciate that. As a man thinketh in his heart, it's not just a random thought. As a person dwells on this and how they act based on that uh, determines their relationship with God. So that's, that's powerful scripture to remind us of. Thank you, Rick. Yeah, the, the real the real you and the real me is what's in our head. Yep. So when God God wants to look at us, He looks at what we're thinking, not what we're wearing. He's not impressed. How? <laughs> He's impressed with what we're thinking. And what should, what's the key thought, Kaz? Listen to this carefully. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus, who humbled Himself and made Himself of no reputation. Humility is the key thought in the Christian's life. Yes. One of the biggest enemies that the believer faces is arrogance. And very few people talk about that when we talk about sin, arrogance. And I'll deal with it in three ways. It starts off with self-justification, where you justify why you're right and God's wrong, or you're right and your wife's wrong, or you're right and the preacher's wrong. And then it goes to self-deception, where you lie to yourself. And then it goes to self-absorption, where you become totally absorbed with what you want to do, and that leads to self-destruction. That's how you destroy yourself. So arrogance is the biggest enemy of every believer, and he has to learn not to get arrogant, but to humble himself, and that means respect authority. Wow. And authority is the Word of God. That's your authority. And if you don't respect the Word of God, and if you try to make the rules up as you go along, you wind up doing a lot of the right things, but in the wrong way. Boy, oh boy, that really speaks to me. Uh, you, t- you, you, in your comment here just a minute ago, you said uh, has a lot. To, it could be what uh, God is telling you, or, or what your spouse is telling you. I had that occasion even uh, earlier this week, and uh, I made a comment in a little bit of disgust or anger uh, to my wife that was totally uncalled for, and it was not an accurate statement. It, if you were to take that as my statement as being true, you'd go, oh, the other person just terrible doing these things to you. But the truth of the matter was it was out of disgust, uh, a misunderstanding of what my wife did, a total misunderstanding. So as I was walking the dog to get out of the house, I go, God, you know, you're convicting me right now. You're convicting me. So I had to go back. And this word called humility, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. This humility was required, and, you know, we fight against that, (laughs) and I did too, but I've restored that relationship with my wife because of a thing called God's humility in and through me. (laughs) Thank you, Rick Hughes. 
<laughs> domestic domestic tranquility is one reason your prayers are not answered. In First Peter three seven, the Bible says, "Honor each other, so your prayers will not be hindered." And so, if there's no domestic tranquility, if you're fighting with your wife, arguing that sin, and you can pray all you want to, it's not going to be answered to you to resolve the the, the the sin issue. So rebound is the key to the Christian life. You cannot be filled with the Holy Spirit if you don't rebound. So let's say this, Cad. Let's say our listeners get up at 7 o'clock in the morning and have to be at work by 8 o'clock, and on the way into work, they're, they're believers, they're Christians, but on the way into work they sin or they sin at work. Well, they quench the Holy Spirit immediately. As soon as they sin, they grieve the Holy Spirit. And now they operate all day long at work in the energy of the flesh, not into the power of the Holy Spirit, not using the Word of God, not using the faith dress drill, not using the filling of the Holy Spirit. It's a frustrating it's a frustrating lifestyle to try to live the Christian life in the energy of the flesh. And that's why people bail out on God. That's why they lose interest. That's why they quit doing it, because they can't live up to those expectations that people want them to do. Do you understand that? Wow. Wow. I think uh, that makes it makes total sense. So, you know, if you want to if you want to live up to the expectations of God, it's very simple. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, grow in the grace and knowledge of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, get under the ministry of a well qualified pastor, learn God's word and apply it into your life. We have a little term for that called lag, L A G. Learn, apply, and glorify God. L A G. Wow. Give that again, L A G. Learn apply, and glorify God. Wow. That's uh, something that's notable. 27 and 28, he was speaking, and a woman interrupted him, and she started hollering out, Jesus, Jesus. And she she said, Blessed be the wound that bore you in the breast of which you nurse. And he, he corrected her, and he said, You're wrong, man. And the word blessed is the Greek word makairios, which is the word for happiness. And he said these words, happiness belong to those people who hear my Father's word and keep it, Luke eleven twenty seven twenty eight. 28. Yes. So no believer is ever going to be happy until they understand the word of God and keep what they understand. There you go. And the two-part commitment is hearing, which is important, but also uh, understanding or acting on what you've heard. That, that, is, that is really a key in, in many Christians' lives. Okay, I hear it. I know what it is, but I haven't acted on it. Well, then you're in lack. That's so good, Rick Hughes. Well, that's how your faith, this is how you get strong in your faith. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So if you're not being taught the Word of God, you're not being fed. And if you're not being fed, you're not growing. And that's why the writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews 5.11, there's a lot of things I'd like to teach you, but I can't because you're just a baby and need a bottle of milk. I can't feed you a steak, he said in Hebrews 5.11 through 16. And this is because in the grace and knowledge of their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yes. They want to do all things, but they wind up doing them in the wrong way, and it doesn't glorify God at all. Wow, wow. As I, as I look in the church environment, and uh, I have to look at myself in the mirror as I'm looking at this, and I'm going, uh, oftentimes we are hearers of the Word. You know, we go to a church environment, and we hear the Word, or uh, we study and we hear the Word through the written Scripture and things like that. But the actual act of doing comes 
within that comes the uh, understanding God. You know, we talked earlier in the show about knowing God versus understanding God. And this, the, uh, the understanding of God, take, you have to take the hearing and apply it properly. And that's uh, head, heart, soul, spirit stuff, isn't it, Rick? We've got about yeah. two minutes left in this segment or less. you got so much for us to talk about. I'm, I hope I'm not offending you by being so harsh, but no. these are things very strongly, and I, and I push them very hard for people to get this and understand this. Somebody's got to stand up and say, wait a minute, you're doing the right thing, but you're doing it in, in the, the wrong, wrong way. way. Yes, yes, yes. My listening friend, I hope you're uh, enticed in, all, in, in a way, uh, God, in a godly way, uh, put to it a little bit here by Rick uh, Hughes and his his point of view, because, you know, a lot of times a person can say something and you go, oh, that's very nice. Okay, I'll put it on a shelf and I'll deal with it later. When God is saying, now is the time to pay attention to this. I've given you uh, a brother or sister in your life, could be a spouse, could be a a parent or grandparent, and they have given you a word and you're going, okay, yeah, I'll put it on a shelf. No, 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 don't put it on the shelf. Act upon it right now. That will empower you in the Christian faith like it's never empowered you before by hearing and doing. We're going to talk more about these things and a, a drill that is called the faith rest drill when we come right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the live local show on Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. Hello, my friends. It is I, Kaz, it, me, Kaz, uh, but also my co-host for the entire two hours, Rick Hughes, a fellow broadcaster with Salem Media. He's got well over 100 uh, uh, broadcasts throughout the United States, and he's a powerhouse, and uh, I want to have him share some insights to not only beef up your uh, your faith, but also encourage you to go beyond just knowing God to understanding Him. And uh, we're in vital times, and Rick Hughes realizes the importance of these times, and so he actually gives us some specific items that we don't... He doesn't want us to just go, thank you, Rick, that was nice, I'll deal with it later. No, no, no. You need to weigh and pray it and act on it right away. Rick, uh, I appreciate your the teaching springboards that you used, and there's a phraseology that you use I want you to explain, too. It's called the it's called Faith, Rest, and Drill. I'm going to hand the baton to you, Rick Hughes. All right, let me say this. A lot of the things that we talk about are all in our book called Christian Problem Solving. And that book is free, and they can order that from our website. That's uh, rickhughesministries.org and get a free copy of Christian Problem Solving. Everything you and I are discussing is in that book. Now, we've talked about faith, Kaz. Faith is the most powerful weapon in the whole world. When you take the Word of God, which is alive and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, the Bible says, and you believe it and you trust it, that's the most powerful thing in the world. And the first place you see it is in salvation. And and Paul wrote, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God to salvation to all who believe it, to the Jew first and the Gentile. So the word of God has the power to change a person's life. And uh, when you develop faith, as you grow in the word of God, you learn the word of God, and you apply the word of God in your life. 
And if you think about a kid going to school in the first grade, this is where we run into trouble in, in the Christian community. It, most people go to church like an, maybe an hour on Sunday morning, maybe an hour on Wednesday night, and that's it. And maybe in that hour, they make it 30 minutes of preaching each time, maybe an hour's worth of instruction a week. A kid in the first grade will never get out of the first grade an hour instruction a week and never graduate out of the first grade. <laughs> That's right. And so we got Christians that can't get out of the first grade because they don't know what they believe. They don't understand the Bible. We've got to get back to teaching the Word of God in our churches, not not being cruise ship directors, local church pastor being a cruise ship director, but a teacher of the Word of God and unfortunately, when that happens, people are going to drop off. They won't come. I'm going to tell you that now they won't come. And they, don't, they, don't want, they don't want to do that. They want to be entertained. They want to, you know, it's kind of like Dolly World at the church today. But faith comes from hearing and hearing by the Word of God. There are over 7,000 promises in the Bible, and they're yours and mine to claim and use. And the faith rest drill is us standing on those promises. You remember Ephesians 6, where it says, pick up the shield of what? You remember what that was? Yeah, the shield of your faith, yes. Shield of faith. This is what you're able to deflect the fiery darts of Satan with, the shield of faith. So faith is you standing on God's Word, standing on God's promises, and uh, using it for spiritual stamina, spiritual muscle. And it only comes by learning and applying, as we wrote in our book, the Word of God in your life. And uh, it's a wonderful thing to use. So something, let's say something happens in your life and you don't like it. Like well, uh, the other day, I got, my roof got messed up. And so the insurance people came out and looked at it and said, okay, we're not going to pay for that. It's not enough damage for us to pay for it. And I asked the guy, I said, well, what's it going to cost me to pay for it? $24,000. Okay. Uh, not enough. Oh, my. And so what do I do? Do I write, complain, rich? They figure out what that word is. That's two words together. But no, I by faith believe God will provide my needs to repair that roof and not get angry, not get mad, not get upset, not gritch about it. And so faith is how we live the Christian life. We stand on faith. We live on faith. We operate on faith because we know we got to have adversity. That's what helps us grow. Remember what Paul said in First Corinthians 2? Corinthians 12, he had a thorn in his flesh. He kept praying for God to take it away. And you remember God said, I'm not going to take it away. It's making you stronger. And that he said, when I'm weak, I'm actually my strongest. When you're your weakest, when you have most going against you, that's when you have to use faith, and that's when you become strong. Yes. Standing promises of God, using them as a shield to deflect the fiery darts of the wicked one. Yeah. You know, I, I think probably a nice analogy, the Lord just kind of dropped this into my recollection. You know, people prefer not to work out many times. They, You know, I've, I'm a stair runner. I like to run the stairs, and I like to do uh, cardiovascular things that get my breath going. But it's a work. It's not It's not easy to, to, to do this grueling stuff. And a lot of people go, no, this is not healthy for you to do that. But that, that, that activity, while it seems like it's... Uh, uh, harmful it really isn't it's bodybuilding and faith must be challenged for it to be strengthened and so uh, i think your word and this faith rest drill point of view is really compelling for our listening friends any further thoughts on that rick for sure yeah i mean you work out every day to stay in shape yeah why don't you go spiritually every day exactly here's where here's where we fall way way short 
some joker wants to write a book about a daily devotion with God. So you pay ten ninety nine, fifteen ninety nine for this book, and you get a little one line devotional, and you think that's growing. That's not growing. What's growing is you sitting under the ministry of a well qualified pastor teaching you the Word of God every day. Yes, and and learn it and apply it in your life, just like you go to the gym. The same sort of thing. It's a daily concept. So there's, I don't, I can't say I study every day, but I have a pastor and he teaches frequently and I'm able to listen consistently on a weekly basis, three, four, five times a week. And that's the way I develop my faith by listening to him teach me the Bible and then taking what he teaches me and applying it into my life. And that strengthens my faith. I think that's absolutely right. And a lot of time, you know, there are people that they 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 treat they treat uh, their faith like a dessert. <laughs> you know, I'm just gonna I'm you know I've done my I've gone to church my one hour or two or whatever it is, and there there you go. No, it's the application of the truth that you've heard, and the and the application is is can be a bit grueling, in a, in a way, but it makes you it turns you into from a uh, a passive saint. A milk drinking saint until to a meat consumer, consumer of the meat of the word. I mean that that's uh, vigilant and diligent stuff. Uh, handing it back to you, Rick. Yes. Yeah, let's talk about this for a minute. If you have a situation in your life you don't understand, the first thing you do is you claim a promise of God. Isaiah fifty four seventeen. No weapon that is formed against you will ever prosper. This is the inheritance of the Lord. That's a great promise. So, or I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. That's a great promise. So you claim a promise. Like if you, as a Christian, you think, maybe I'm not saved anymore. I did something now, God doesn't like me anymore. God's not going to save me anymore. No, he said, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. So you claim a promise and stand on that promise. And remember the Bible said, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't tremble. The Lord is with you wherever you go. But once you claim that promise and you recall a relevant information, a relevant biblical principle in your life, something like eternal security, you recall that and you remember being taught that, you know, now God didn't quit loving me. God just upset with me because I broke fellowship with him and I quenched the Holy Spirit and I got to get back in fellowship. Yes. And then the third thing you do is you mix your faith with what you have in your soul with the Bible doctrine in your, that you've learned. And you come to a biblical conclusion. If God's in it, who can be against us? Romans eight thirty one. And so the exercise of faith requires three things. Recall, uh, relevant information, stand on it and apply it, and then move on. That's what faith is. It's taking what you've learned and using it. And, and as I said, there are over 7,000 promises in the Bible. We even wrote a book called Bible Promises and Principles that we, that we give out as well on our website that lists most of the Bible promises that, that you may need under certain circumstances in your life. So this is where we fail in the Christian life. We fail to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and we fail to operate on faith. That's where most of the problems come in. Yes, it, this is certainly true. Well, uh, we're, we're running out of time here on uh, this segment. My listening friend, I uh, hope that you're getting something of great value to what uh, Rick Hughes is sharing. He, he's a man who's been around for a while. He's an opportunity not only to uh, learn these things, but what he's learned he's applying to you and I today. And so we're going to dig more deeply into some of the things um, that God wants us to p- apply from 
Rick Hughes's point of view and God's point of view through Rick. And uh, we're going to talk more about these things. I think a, a term we're going to use in the next segment is grace orientation and uh, having a, a sense of destiny. When you realize that God created you for this time, you realize you were destined for here, and God has plans for Y-O-U, and it's by your listening, hearing, and obeying. We're going to talk about that and how grace plays an intimate role when Rick Hughes uh, of the Flot Line Radio and I come right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. I'll tell the world. Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor on K-Praise. Welcome back to the second hour of Come Together San Diego, my friends. And speaking of my friends, one of my new friends is Rick Hughes. And he is a Salem Media broadcaster all over the United States, and his uh, ministry is called the Flot Line, F-L-O-T uh, Line Radio, standing for Forward Line of Troops. My listening friend, uh, it's important for you to pay close attention to what God is giving you because um, we're in those times where we need to apply these things. Not We don't need to say, well, I think this or I maybe that. We need to say, I know this because I know the God who is instructing me through various people. And Rick Hughes, my listening friend, is one of those people right now on this radio show. My listening friend, Brad, by the way, before we get any further into the show, I want to give you my uh, the way to reach me. Come Together San Diego at KPRZ. Go to Come Together San Diego at KPRZ. Email me and say, Kaz, love the show, hate the show, want uh, to have you think about doing this topic. And be careful. When you say that, I may say, you know what? Uh, why don't you come on with me and, and co-host or share that insight on the radio? And you go, mm. but that's the way you grow as well by being challenged and moving into things. Speaking of that, I want to have... Uh, Rick described the—he's giving us a systematic view of Scripture, but even more a systematic view of relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Rick, I appreciate that you're here with me, and I have a note here talking about the orientation of grace, and grace is a great power because you know that it's not all on you. It's God through you. I'm going to hand the baton to you, Rick Hughes. All right. Well, grace is a wonderful thing. It's uh, it solves the problem of legalism and man trying to appease through some sort of human effort rather than relying solely on God and His grace provision. So, the first grace that we understand is saving grace. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's a gift of God, not of works, as any man should brag about it. So you can't buy your salvation. You can't earn your salvation. It was paid for on the cross by the efficacious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ who died in our place. You remember that verse that said, He who knew no sin was made sin for us so that we could be made the righteousness of God through him. Yes. So he our place. But when we come to Christ and we put our faith in him, as Nicodemus was instructed to do, then we are born again, and that's saving grace. And then there's living grace. And that's the grace to live your life with every day. And each day we walk, each day we go through life, we have to understand that the enemy of grace is always living and trying to get us to do something the right thing in the wrong way. But we have to grow in grace. And the first, second Peter told us that 
Here it is, 2 Peter 3.18, grow in the grace and the knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we're mandated. That's not a request. That it, In the Greek New Testament, that word grow is a verb, and it's what we call a present active imperative verb. And that is a mandate, not a request. So we need to understand the resources God gave us, which is the Holy Spirit and his living word. Take it and learn it and stand on it using the faith rest drill, and we grow in grace. So living grace, saving grace, dying grace. What a wonderful way to die. God provides the place and the manner and the time of our departure. We don't have anything to do with it. He's in charge of that. When you get the call to the home office, we just go. And so that's going to come for you. It's going to come for me. It's going to come for all of our listeners. Someday you're going to be called to the home office. And so that's heaven in our words. And so that's dying grace. What a wonderful way to go with no, 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 no uh, fear, no doubt, nothing like that, because I know who I've believed in and trusted that he's able to do that, which he said he would do. Wow. And that's to resurrect me dead. Wow, this is really kind of a, you, you're, keep going. Forgive me, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead, Rick. Well, then there's surpassing grace. And surpassing grace that the eye has not seen, the ears never heard, the heart never felt the wonderful things God has for him. Nobody can tell you what heaven's like, but it's there. Paul was allowed to see it, but he was not allowed to write about it. So any joker that tells you he's going to write a book said, I went to heaven and I saw it and I came back and I, I'm writing a book about it. You can buy it for 19.95. Forget it. That's not true. So, uh, you know, surpassing grace is you're going to see things in heaven you've never seen before. Colors you never knew existed. Sounds you've never heard before in your life. And you're going to be amazed. You're no more sickness, no more pain, no more sorrow. The old things have been passed away. That's surpassing grace. There's wow. so much to teach about. Wow. We're just trying to cram in a 10-minute section. Wow. This reminds me of a scripture that it says, I think Paul writes it, and he says, I has not seen, neither ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has in store for those who love him. And you get a chance to realize that uh, when you have that heaven-bound in intimacy with, with the Lord. So good, the various uh, degrees of, uh, of grace, uh, saving grace, living grace, dying grace, and surpassing grace. Any other thoughts on this, Rick? Well, not really. I mean, we've said everything we can say about that. I mean, <laughs> when, he said, when he says, quote that verse again you just quoted. Now, I want you to finish quoting the verse. And it says, and who are called according to his purpose. Eye has not seen, neither ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of God, heart of man, the things that God has in store for him, who is called according to his purpose. That's right, a predetermined plan. So uh, God has a plan laid out for Cass. He has a plan laid out for you and I. We have a spiritual gift. I did not realize I had to give some evangelism. I didn't have a clue. I didn't know what that was. Mm. But right after saved. Uh, I was reading some Bible verses, and the verse that I read in a group said, pray for me that an utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in bonds. Yes. So I had to understand, come to understand that I had the gift of evangelism, and I began to use that gift eventually. I'm sorry the phone's ringing in the other office in there. That's, that's not a problem. Not a problem. But anyhow, uh, when I learned that I had to get to evangelism, then I had to learn how to use it, what to say, the right thing in the right way. 
But you have to grow, you have to understand these things, and grace orientation, come into terms with what God's called you to do. And, and he determined what your gift is, Kaz, and our listeners that are listening to us, each believer has a spiritual gift, someplace they fit in the plan of God, got something God called them to do. And, again, and it's not music. I mean, some people say I have to get to singing. That's not a spiritual gift. That's a talent. That's a different thing. And you were talking about the gym earlier. Remember when you talked about the gym? Yes. Going to the gym. I go to the gym every day because I name my bathroom the gym. <laughs> well, it's a place where you, you, in this particular context, it's a place where you can get alone with God. And a lot of times the cares of the day infringe upon your intimacy with the Lord because it, it diminishes your ability to, to hear. And, uh, you know, when you go to a gymnasium in the natural the gymnasium is a place where you're focused on, you have all the right equipment. And in the spiritual sense, when you go into the gym, whatever, wherever it is, is, is private, privacy, you have all the right equipment of, uh, of God to uh, empower you and uh, invigorate you. Uh, so we've got a couple minutes left in this segment, but uh, anything you want to share within this two minutes, Rick? The local, the local church is the gym for the believer. Yes. That's where he's focused. That's where he's supposed to go. That's where he's supposed to get his exercise, where he's supposed to work out. He learns it there, takes it home, and applies it. But again, let's say this clearly. You can go to church. It's the right thing, but do it in the wrong way. So if you're in church, out of fellowship, with unconfessed sin in your life, the Holy Spirit's not going to be able to teach you anything until you deal with the sin, first of all. Mm-hmm. Why do quenched and greed that he can't do his job? So the pastor, every pastor should tell the congregation, before we start this service, let's all make sure we're in fellowship together. Let's bow our heads, have a moment of silent prayer, and if there's any sin in your life, name it to God right now so you'll be ready to study the Word of God. Very good. That's my... That's that's very good. So my my friends, we're going to be taking a break in just a moment, but I want you to realize that God has just put you into this radio broadcast with this wise man of God, Rick Hughes, to get some insights from him because he, he's been here. He's been around. He's learned things, and he wants to share what he's learned with uh, from God with you, and it has to do with diligence on your part, has to do with instructing, uh, being instructed by God, listening and obeying. So we're talking a little bit about grace, but we're going to talk about so many other uh, aspects of God because all these are vital, and when you start putting these together, you realize that God is in you, and he has power, wants to use through you and with you. We'll talk more about this on the next segment. More Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor is next on K-Praise. Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor on K-Praise. Welcome back, my friends. I have for the entire two hours a man named Rick Hughes, a mighty man of God, a fellow broadcaster in the Salem Media Network throughout the United States he broadcasts. And we're talking about uh, the intimacy with God. His opening statement was there may be people that know God or at least know about God, but we need to understand God. So he's been pressing this entire period of time to encourage what us in what uh, understanding God has has to do with this and how to actually do that. Uh, we're realizing that God is the implementer of these things. It's not on our own, uh, you know, our own time schedule. It's His. It's not on our own th- thinking about what we want to do that's right. It's Him instructing us. So I'm going to hand the baton back to Rick 
Hughes as he talks more about how God implements things, in particular his virtue and his love. What does that mean, Rick? Well, virtue love is a phenomenal problem-solving device for every believer. And uh, we love God because he first of all loved us, the Bible says. That's reciprocity. And uh, virtue love includes two things. It includes personal love for God and impersonal love for others. If you think about that, how did God love you? He loved you with impersonal love. He loved you based on his character, not yours, because you were a sinner. And so he loved you based on who he was, not who you were. And when you accept Christ as your Savior, then you bow into the royal family of God. Now it's a personal love. So when I'm, as a believer, I have to use personal love for the Father. And sometimes I have to use impersonal love for my next-door neighbor if he's a jerk. (laughs) You know, if you live next to a WOJ, which is short for a weird, obnoxious jerk, you're supposed to love him. And how do you do that? Same way God loves you. You love him based on who you are, not based on who he is. And that means you don't get frustrated, you don't get upset, you don't get mad, you don't get angry. Those are all signs that, this, that the flesh or the sin nature is taking control of your life because you're, in your arrogance you feel like you've been violated. He can't say that to me. He can't do that to me. And you're not using impersonal love. So those two devices, the virtue love concept, personal love for God, impersonal love for others is one of the greatest problem-solving devices we have because the Bible says, if you love me, you will obey me, and my mandates are not hard. That's 1 John 5, 3. So everything that you and I do, Cass, to obey God should be motivated by love for God, correct? That's right. That's right. I mean, here's, here's a concept. How can you love a God you don't know? Yeah. And if a lot of times I'll ask people, tell me what you know about God. Most people don't understand the essence of God and his sovereignty, righteousness, justice, love, immutability, eternal life, omnipotence, omniscience, omnipresence. He's even got a sense of humor. Look in the mirror. He made you, didn't he? I mean, come on. <laughs> I appreciate that. You know, I, I, I'm, 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 while you're talking, you you gave a phrase like you oftentimes do a phrase, and you said you, you have to sometimes deal with the W-O-J, and I go, okay, well, he's got my attention. Then you defined it, weird, obnoxious jerks. <laughs> and God, God doesn't, when, he, when he, you have a relationship with him, it seems like he allows W-O-J's weird, obnoxious jerks into your life, and sometimes you may be one yourself, and he wants you to be able to entrust him on how to properly deal with these things because uh, that's showing his virtue and his love through you, your life, life and lifestyle. <laughs> so well, I'm, 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 I'm going to try to remember that one, W-O-J's. <laughs> the, world, Good, the, world is, the world is full of people with OPD. 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 Here we go again. Obnoxious personality disorder. <laughs> So oh if I got to spend here's here's the way I think about it. You know, if I got to spend eternity with him in heaven, don't crowd me too much right now. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> oh, I love it. But anyhow, if virtue love gives you the ability to love anybody regardless of who they are. And that's a wonderful thing. God loved me regardless of who I am. The jerk that I am, he still loved me and still sent his only uniquely born son to die for me. And and that's the wonderful thing. That's the imperfect love of God related to me through Christ Jesus. 
And now I love him because of what he did for me. And as I quoted earlier, if you love me, you will obey me, and my mandates are not hard. So the Lord Jesus Christ himself said in Matthew, take my yoke and learn upon me. My yoke is easy. My burden is are easy to bear, yes. He's not going to ask you to do something you can't do. I mean, he just wants you to grow up, grow in the grace and knowledge of your Lord Jesus Christ. Just grow up so that you don't show up to the judgment seat of Christ like an idiot and say, well, you know, I wasted my whole life. I could have been glorifying God to the max, and I didn't. I just spent all my time thinking about myself. You know, people, Christians especially, get all concerned with the gifts, and we forget who the giver is. And we have to go back and focus our attention on the Father. And that's that's the issue of what we have to understand with virtue love. That's our whole motivation to live the Christian life and to serve God is a personal love for him. And you can't love him if you don't know him. Oh, my. So, you know, and do you know that he's omnipotent? He's all-powerful. Do you know that he's omnipresent? He's everywhere at one time. He's eminent transcendent. Do you know that he's omniscient, that he's all-knowing? Do you know that he's that he's that he's uh, eternal life, that he's that he's immutable? He would never lie. He never changes. So, I mean, we, we could teach a big, long Bible class on these things right here. A long time, people learn to understand the God they know. If they, they don't know these things, how can they understand it? They don't even know what he's like. That's right. That's right. You know, Rick, one of the things I have— uh, favorite scriptures that I use, too, when I come up against the OPD person, the obnoxious personality disorder, or the WOJ person, the weird, obnoxious jerk. There's a scripture that talks about God intervening in those times, and I don't remember the actual address of it, but it says, God is faithful, and he will not suffer you to be tempted beyond that which you are able to bear, but will, with the temptation— Provide a way to bear it, so that you uh, will pr- provide us uh, that you may be able to bear it, uh, and and so that's, that's a remarkable scripture. Go ahead, Rick. I think that's First Corinthians ten thirteen. That so, sounds right. Yeah. yeah, he's not going to put more on you than you can stand. That's for sure. That's always been that's helpful right. to me because you know, uh, you know, oftentimes I'll say under my breath, "Boy, this is just too much. This is too much. This is how can I? It's impossible to handle." Well, the truth of the matter is. God is faithful and won't give you anything beyond that which you're able to bear, but will, with the temptation, provide a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. It's remarkable. Uh, We've got some time left in this segment. Where would you like to go with this? This is powerful stuff. You and your acronyms here, your W-O-K or W-O-J, weird, obnoxious jerk, and your O-P-D obnoxious personality disorders. We get to face these every day, don't we, my listening friend? Rick, uh, thank you for your solace in that. Further thoughts? Yeah, the uh, keep in mind that I have spoken in over 5,000 high school assemblies, and now I'm not able to travel as much as I used to because of my age and because of the early stage of Parkinson's, but I had to be able to communicate to teenagers. The assemblies that I spoke in are in private schools, not public schools, because they shut all the public schools down. But there are many, many, many private schools, not Christian schools, just private academies. And a lot of schools I would go into, there'd be anywhere from 300 to 500 students in there, and I would conduct what's called a spiritual emphasis week. That's giving me one hour a day to talk with the students for five solid days. And so as I developed some of these concepts, some of these phrases to keep their attention, and that's what the Holy Spirit used in my life. Now, here we are doing the same thing on the radio because as I got older, 
the Lord kind of switched gears on me and said, okay, now I want you to go to the radio. Yes. I never intended this. This was not my plan all along. I mean, it's just the way God opened the door and it happened. And here we are. Now that I can't travel, now I'm reaching more people than I ever did when I was driving all over the country. So That's right. It's really- and, and, you, and you gave a number of radio, radio broadcasts that you actually are on. Um, what is the number of broadcasts that you are with the Salem Media people? Well, we got iHeart, Salem Media, yeah. individual stations as well. So we're on like 125 stations. Wow. So my listening friend, that, 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 Cali- say again? From Maine to California. Wow, wow, wow. I love it. My friends, uh, I hope you're enjoying Rick Hughes and his insights. He's going to stay with us for um, a couple more segments now. But you just need to know that God is in control of your life, but you have to give it to him, and he doesn't want just a pass, you to have a passing knowledge of him. He wants you to understand him. And this uh, uh, investment in understanding him is uh, takes time, and it takes intimacy with the Lord. We'll talk more about the time and intimacy uh, involved that will bring you into what the Bible would identify as happiness, but it's not as the world thinks happiness. It's a different kind of happiness. We'll talk more about that when Rick Hughes and I come right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, back to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on Praise with Kaz Taylor. Welcome back, my friends. Uh, we've got just a couple segments left before the end of this show, but I'll tell you what, you're going to recall this uh, radio broadcast and its uh, subsequent uh, podcasts on uh, Come Together San Diego. You can find out more about the podcast by just going Come Together San Diego on your search engine, and there you'll find the uh, archives. So uh, my co-host for this entire two hours, Rick Hughes, a powerhouse in uh, teaching the Word of God, but more more than just the Word of God, the implication and application of that Word in your life. You know, a lot of people, Rick, uh, use the word happiness loosely, you know, and when you really understand God and His character, there's really only one true and full happiness, and it has everything to do with that intimate relationship between you and your Savior. I'm going to hand the baton to you, Rick, as you, uh, you uh, diagnose people's lives with us here on the air and encourage them to understand that happiness from God's perspective is totally different from you saying, I'm happy because I got this or I did this, I earned this. I'm going to hand the baton to you, Rick Hughes. There's a great, there's a great scripture. I don't know if you have a Bible in front of you or not, but I'll quote it if you don't. I do. But it's in, Can you turn to John fifteen eleven? John, uh, the, the Gospel of John... 15, okay, John 15, 11, I'm going there, John 15, 11, and it says, uh, these things I have spoken unto you that your joy might remain in you and that your joy may be full, that your joy may be full, remarkable verse. He said, these things I have taught you so that my joy, not my joy, he said, yes. may be in you and your joy may be made full. Here's my question, Kaz. Listen carefully. What does these things refer to? Everything above that verse, probably. It refers to everything that's called an antecedent. And everything from John 13 to John 15, 11 is what he's referring to. 
And if I back you up a little bit, I'll tell you, they just had the, the uh, communion supper. They just had the Passover feast. Then he started washing their feet. Remember that? Yes. And he said, well, what I'm doing now, you don't understand. You'll understand it later. And everything he taught them from John 13 to John 15, 11 is what these things refers to. And there are at least 14 major biblical doctrines that disciples had to learn and understand in that five or six hour Bible class that night before he was arrested. Because immediately after this, he went to the garden to pray and was arrested. And so that's what these things refer to. And that's where the happiness comes from. We have, we're called to have the happiness of Christ in us. That's why he said happiness belongs to those people who hear my father's word and keep it. And he wants that happiness to overflow. And, and it's not a happiness, not a phony type happiness, you know. Uh, it's, it's a real happiness. It depends on your soul, not, not what you possess. A lot of people connect happiness to the details yep. of life. And that's- or the possessions, as you say astutely, I've got this, I've got that, I own this, and I have this, you know, I have this I prestige, had- uh, so I'm happy. That's not godly happiness. If I had to define happiness for you, Cass, it would be in the word of contentment. Contentment. Yes. Yes, or the or the word joy that we just read in that scripture in John, joy and contentment. Yes, I've learned to be content. Paul said, "Whatever circumstance I'm in, doesn't make any difference." He said, "Whether I got a lot or whether I got a little, doesn't make any difference. I can do all things through the Lord Jesus Christ who strengthens me, and that's the source of our happiness. It's the indwelling of the Lord Jesus Christ in our life, using the faith rest drill, staying filled with the Holy Spirit, growing spiritually." and sharing the happiness of God with other people. And that's confidence. You know, it's contentment and confidence also. Confidence that he's not going to throw me under the bus. Confidence to that, you know, some of our listeners may have walked away from God, but he never walked away from them. He just loved them from behind. I mean, if you study the... (laughs) He loved them from behind. I like that. You know, you remember the prodigal son that... Oh, I was just thinking about the prodigal son. That was exactly right. Yeah, yeah he went off down the my way highway and blew all his money and almost died and came calling back home, wanting to get a job, and his dad still loved him. He didn't abandon him. He didn't forsake him. And many of our listeners need to understand that. God still loves you. God still loves you. He still has a plan for your life. You just have to come back, and that means start with confessing your sin, admitting your sin to God, and he will be faithful and just to forgive you. And then you got it. Get to the gym. You got to get to the church, the local church, where you can begin to grow. You can begin to understand what God's plan for you is. So that's where that true happiness for the believer lies, right there, and understanding, knowing, and applying the plan of God for your life. Understanding, knowing, and applying. Understanding, knowing, and applying. That's very good, Rick. That's very good. A lot of people get one, you know, understanding part or maybe the knowing, but the application of that is where the the fullness of the truth is uh, experienced, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's your volition. Everybody has volition, B-O-L-I-T-I-O-N, volition. That's your chooser. That's your choice. And you choose what you want to do. As I said, you're a victim of your decisions, not your environment. You're not what you are because of how you grew up. You're what you are because of what you think. And so God's given every one of us the perfect opportunity to have happiness if we'll take his word and learn it and use it, regardless of our circumstances. 
Wow. And, uh, you know, that phraseology you use right there, regardless of your circumstances, is, is, is vital because a lot of people, uh, uh, they uh, ally uh, happiness with good circumstances. Not necessarily so. And, uh, and, and so, and so the really, the really uh, our relationship with the Lord shows us um, uh, a, the relationship within that relationship uh, is happiness, not in the circumstances, whether they're going your way or not. To me, I'm, I gravitate to a person that is happy uh, in God or uh, confident in God, even in the midst of contrary things. In fact, that is a bigger magnet to me uh, about the power of God than to be around somebody who has great circumstances, be hanging around them, because as soon as the circumstances change, their their confidence changes, and they're they're just not happy anymore. God wants us to be happy in Him, and the circumstances are very secondary, wouldn't you say, Rick? Well, the greatest happiness in your life is when you know you're exactly where God wants you to be. Correct? <laughs> That's right. Well, listen to this. Was our Lord Jesus Christ happy on the cross? Wow. Yes. Wow. Yes. Exactly where he's supposed to be. He was exactly where he was supposed to be. He knew what he was going to do. He told the disciples, I'm going to be crucified. They're coming to get me. And he said, they're going to come get you eventually once I'm gone. But on the cross, our Lord Jesus Christ experienced complete happiness. He said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Because he was doing exactly what God told him to do. And when you're in the will of God and you're doing exactly what God tells you to do, that's where you have the greatest happiness and the greatest peace. So was our Lord happy? Yes. Was he at peace? Yes. Did he have confidence in his Father's plan? Yes. Was it fun hanging on the cross? No. no. That's not the, that wasn't the point. The that's right. Is that he was happy. He was not unhappy because he knew what that death meant. It was buying the salvation of the world for you and me. Man, what an amazing thought. What an amazing thought, exactly. It reminds me of our discussions we talked about um, in the gym, you know, the, the anguish of doing all those push-ups, sit-ups, and all those uh, benches and all those different things like that. There's a bit of anguish, but we know there's happiness tied to this because of the end result. And Jesus, hanging on the cross, knew the end result of his sacrifice was going to bring many, many, many into his kingdom. I love that. All right. So we've got about a minute and a half left. Any thoughts to, cl- to close this segment, Rick Hughes? We're talking about exercise. Uh, yeah. I, walk, I walk five miles every day, Chas. Oh, my. You know why? Um, I, you know the end results. Or maybe it's your dog barking at you. I, <laughs> maybe a little bit of both. That's why I walk. <laughs> I think five miles. I name my dog Five Miles, so when I walk my dog every day, his name is Five Miles. So somebody says, what'd you do today? I said, I walked five miles. And they went, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> that's remarkable. But the, but the truth of the matter is that that's an exercise that you know the end results are going to make you happy, but you also you know that your dog, and you say your dog's name is Five Miles. <laughs> yeah. You're going to make Five Miles happy as well. My listening friend, I, I hope you appreciate the little quips that this man of God shares with you, and like uh, the, uh, the WOJ, the 
weird, obnoxious jerk kind of things. He, he's got these things, and they really help you understand the depth of the Scripture just by his uh, ma- Rick's mannerisms. We're going to talk more about these things, but in the closing uh, segment, what we normally do is bring everything summarized together and talk about the conclusions that we shall draw from this time together. So we will do that when Rick Hughes and I spend the last segment together when we come right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. Welcome back. I don't know that I'll ever forget this. When uh, Rick Hughes, (laughs) he's my co-host for this entire two hours, and we're coming to the, this is the last segment of this uh, two hours from 5 to 7 p.m. Pacific time. And Rick Hughes uh, of the Flot Line Radio on Salem Media all over uh, the United States. We're talking about uh, being... Uh, fit from a godly standpoint, and we were, he just gave me this one line joke that he uses. He says his dog's name is Five Miles, and uh, when people ask him what he's done, he says I've just walked five miles today, and and that that is to me that's uh, very very humorous. Many of you have dogs; it's easier to walk your dog than your cat or your goldfish. But anyway, walking your dog that is good exercise but it's good exercise for you and your dog. And I, our analogy was that God wants us to have good exercise and enjoy it because the end results are profitable and fruitful. So Rick Hughes, we're in the last segment. Uh want to summarize things a little bit, but I think you want to deal with a little bit the, the, the finishing phrase of these di- different uh, 10 items here as well. So uh, I'm going to hand the baton to you. Rick, end it how, how, right. however so much that you will. Well, occupation with Christ is critical for every believer. Occupation. Yes, occupation with the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 12, 2 says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. And then Paul wrote, It is no longer I, but it's now Christ in me, Galatians 2, 20. So here's what I want you to think about, Kaz. As a believer, your job is to represent Jesus Christ through your local church to the community. But as an individual, your job is represent Jesus Christ through your life. Wow. So that when, so that when people see you, they see Christ Jesus in you. That's a, yeah, represent and represent. That's, that is good. That is exactly right. So that's what you want to do as you grow in the Lord, as you grow in the grace and knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, you're going to begin to represent him. And remember the two attitudes, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who humbled himself and made himself of no reputation. So the Bible is called in 1 Corinthians 2.13, the mind of Christ. So the only way we can ever represent Jesus Christ is to think like he thought. And that means to learn his word, to learn the Bible. And that's divine viewpoint. So, you know, you can live your life under human viewpoint. You know, what did dear Abby say? Or you can live your life under divine viewpoint. What does the Bible say? (laughs) That's right. That's that's, exactly right. If you want to get some answers, you better go to the Bible. That's right. 
That's right. You know, man's point of view, they give answers, and they may be right and for a finite period of time, but uh, you want to have uh, right what's right and truth that is uh, eternal, then you have to go to the eternal source and resource. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's so good. Uh, I'm During the breaks, I enjoy thumbing through some of the books that you sent me. They're really remarkable. The one we've been spending the most time with now in this show is called Christian Problem Solving, and it itemizes uh, 10 different uh, items within it that uh, are pivotal, that you call them problem-solving devices. Uh, rebound, right. filling of the Holy Spirit, faith rest drill, uh, grace orientation, doctrinal orientation, personal sense of, or, of destiny, personal love for God, uh, imperson- uh, impersonal love for all mankind, and sharing God's happiness and uh, occupation with Christ. Where can a person get these books again, a website again for you, Rick? Well, they very simply can go to our website, which is Rick Hughes, H-U-G-H-E-S, Rick Hughes Ministries, plural, ministries.org, rickhughesministries.org. There they can find all these books listed, along with many other things listed. And as I said, uh, Kaz, it's all free. I do not believe in selling the Word of God. Ooh, wow, that's a hefty point of view, and I agree with it. So um, a, a person can go there and they can find this information um, how, how would you like to close this segment? By the way, my friend, I've, uh, I was Rick was kind enough to send me a number of other books as well. Uh, one in particular is called "These Things: Jesus Christ's Last Class with His Disciples." Very important things that uh, he shares in that book. You call them a book or booklet because I, I think one of the wise things you've done here is you've built a lot of booklets, which, you know, a lot of times when somebody goes, you want to know uh, what I think God wants you to know, they hand you a, a voluminous book of their writings. and You go, ooh, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to read this. But your books are readable, and the number of pages are easy to kind of go through in a very short period of time. I uh, appreciate that. And once again, uh, Rick Hughes Ministries. Org. You can find out more about that. Rick, uh, parting thoughts and summary thoughts? Well, we have a, one of our books you've made. I hope you have it. It's called Life's Toughest Years. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, what that is, that's a series of messages I gave in a school. And we took those messages and broke them down into transcripts and put it in a book. And it's dealing with teenagers, you know, growing up as a teenager, what you go through in life. And uh, there's some tremendous illustrations in that book. Anybody that's got teenagers or children, you know, not not five or six years old, but 12, 13, 14, 15 years old, if they're interested, that book is critical for kids to understand and read. We, and when I would go to a school, you got to picture this in your mind, but when I would go to a school and speak when I was traveling as much as I did, we would just put out hundreds of books on the table and tell kids, pick them up if you want them. There it is. It's free. Take it on with you. And... uh and we gave away thousands and thousands of books in the many schools we visited over the years. Yes. But so many people that now every now and then somebody sent me a picture, they found one at a yard sale for a quarter. <laughs> they found one on eBay for $15, and we're, they're all free. We, did, we didn't charge anybody. Oh. We didn't charge anybody. <laughs> Some joker's trying to sell it now. Oh, my. Oh, my. You know, one of the things that I appreciate uh, with you, too, in his books— particularly in the table of contents area, you know, a person may grab a book and there may be one chapter that uh, uh, speaks 
clearly to you. So even if it's just one chapter, but I think once you get engrossed in this and you read his first chapters and things, each one of these things, uh, each one of these chapters uh, sets you up for the next chapter. And when you read the entire book, you walk away uh, nourished by not the milk of the word, but by the meat of the word. So um, go ahead, Rick. You may have have that book, Bible Promises and Principles. I don't see that here. You don't see that in the the stack they sent you? No. That's a book with Bible promises written down, maybe a couple of hundred, uh, where you can claim them in your life every day. And in the back of the book are one-line principles that we live by, like bad decisions limit future options. Bad decisions limit future options. So if you make enough bad decisions, you're not going to have any options left. Wow. And that is so true. It is so true. And then Words we of say wisdom. inevitable, but stress is optional. That's uh, to understand that adversity is what circumstances do to you, and stress is what you do to yourself. And you heard me say earlier in the show, God did not design you to live a stressful life. The Christian life is a life of no stress, no fear, no worry, no guilt, none of that stuff. And that's, you know, preachers try to use that kind of stuff to lay a burden, a guilt burden on you, you know, but that's not the way we're supposed to live. So anyhow, I hope you get that book. I hope you'll order it. Contact us through the website. Once again, let me give you that website, my listening friend. Rick Hughes has been a real remarkable guy. Thanks for spending me two two hours with me and, and our listening audience in San Diego County. Rick Hughes Ministries dot org. Once again, Rick Hughes, H U G H E S Ministries dot org. You can find these books and so much more. The, 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 going to that location is, can really help you understand the character of God through the point of view of this man named Rick Hughes. Rick, thank you for joining me on this Come Together San Diego broadcast because uh, our listening friends here on this station really needed to hear what you had to say. And uh, thank you. it's a pleasure. You, you, you know, you can know about God, but it's more important to know about his character. Knowing, uh, you know, God wants you to not only know him, but understand him. So right. Rick Hughes, uh, my listening friend, uh, archives will have this uh, by going to Come Together San Diego uh, at, and KPRZ. If you can put that in your search engine and you can find out more. Rick Hughes, thank you so much for joining me, my listening friend. Uh, I know you appreciate Rick Hughes like I do. Rick, it's an honor to tr- treat you as a newfound friend. And uh, God bless you on your radio broadcast and beyond. My listening friend, you know Come Together San Diego. That's what we do. We come together, San Diego, and hear God together and do what he tells you to do. Love to hear you next week. See you next week on Come Together San Diego. See you later. Thanks, Rick. Thanks for joining Cass Taylor and his many friends, including you, for Come Together San Diego. Join us again next week as we explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within this county and beyond on Come Together San Diego. Tell a friend, tell a neighbor, tell a co-worker, and then let's all come together San Diego next Saturday from 5 to 7 p.m. on K-Praise. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.